This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Be done. That's what amen is. I am in agreement and thy will, God's will, be done. We're going to start with Psalms uh, chapter 1. Again, we are concluding our lesson, our series on, on premarital class. And we're going to start with Psalms 1 as I take a few, few minutes um, to review. We're going to start there. Um, and we talked about, started talking about two paths. That this scripture is showing us two paths in life. That it's the path of the righteous, the path of the unrighteous. That's the path of the faithful and the path of the unfaithful. That's the path of obeying God and receiving those benefits of, of obeying Him or disobeying God and receiving those benefits or those consequences uh, for that. Psalms chapter 1. The scripture reads, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Jump down to verse uh um, oh no, three. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and bringeth forth bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chafe which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We said that this means that happy, blessed, blessed, happy, fortunate, and prosperous is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the, of the ungodly. So if you walk in the counsel, that means you're living in the counsel of the godly, then you cannot expect to have be happy, you cannot expect to be uh, fortunate, and you cannot expect to prosper in God. If you are and in this life period, in this life period, if you are, 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 are not obeying the word of God and if you are following in the God, in the counsel of the ungodly it says you're not walking in the counsel of the God you're not standing I told you you're not putting your way you're not putting your way or, or standing in the way or going towards the way of of the ungodly of the uh, of the way of the sinners you're not sitting you're not communing with the, the, the ungodly you're not fellowshipping you're not sitting where they sit you're not going where they go doing what they do I said that 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 you stand in the path that sinners walk and you sit with the mockers and let me tell you about the mockers the mockers are those whether it's blatant again we talked about being something being blatant or it being subtle but either way mockers are those who don't take God's word serious as a matter of fact they mock God does, I mean they may not say it this way but did God really say that or they'll they, they, they will uh, they will say Okay, well, the word does say that, but the word also says, you know, that he is faithful to forgive, that he is, you know, he is, he's a just God, and he will, you know, he will never leave, you know, for a second. And that's, that's true. It's true. But they're mocking God to say that, that, uh, and, and having you to think, that deception, having you to think that because God is a loving God, that he's going to ignore the fact that you just disobeyed. 
which is not true. That you're going to ignore the fact that you've compromised his word, which is not true. Because we've also said that there are consequences when you do. Yes, he will be there for you. And if you do fall, if you do fall, there are consequences that go with the sin. But he will also be there in those consequences. And that's what that means. That means low, low. Even when you've gotten down to your lowest, your lowest is sin. When I've gotten down to my lowest, when I've done the things that I that should not have done, when I have shame, when I have all of those things, that's your lowest. And he says, and yes, I will be with you in that. He didn't say I'm going to take away those consequences. He didn't say that there will not be consequences. But he said, lo, I will be with you even until the end. I'm going to be with you. Why? Because he wants to see you. He, he's not there. He doesn't want to see you live in that shame, to stay in that shame. His desire is that you get out. His first desire is that you not get in. That's why he sends his word. But if you do, he is faithful and he is just to bring to, to help bring you out in order to, to lift you up while you go through. He's going to lift you up. He's going to lift you up until the very end. He will be with you. So we said also that we need to always remember that dispensations in our lives, they are connected. And when you do not do what you need to do, if you do not change when you need to change, and the dispensation that God has, has, has ordained, that he has given, then you will not be prepared for the next. So in this teaching, we're talking about premarital class. If you do not do what you need to do and change what you need to change during this time when you're not married, then you're not, you don't know what you're going to get when you get married. You won't be prepared for it. You won't be prepared for a marriage if you don't do what you need to do right now. And I don't care what stage at what stage you are in. I don't care, again, if you found find yourself with someone who could be a potential mate, if you are not even thinking about dating, if you are not, whatever the case is, if you're young, if you're 13, you're 14, you're 15, this is the time to get this word in you so that you can avoid some of the pitfalls that we've talked about. Because the, one of the things... That we're gonna, that we, we've been discussing as I get into my objectives is, is number one, to revisit the components of restoration in case you have failed. In case you have compromised. And so again, those of you who find yourself, you have not been in this situation. You're not, not even close. You're in your teens, your early teens. Again, you don't want to have to get to the restoration state. Not for this. It's better to not have to be restored from this. Now, if you do and you find yourself in this situation, again, that's why God is reminding us about his restoration. Because he, he, he's there for all of us. Whichever uh, state you find yourself in, again, God is the faithful one. And he desires that we all be in his will. He desires that we all live according to his will. In that, you will be prosperous. So that was objective number one, to revisit the components of restoration, which we're, we're uh, started completing. And we're just going to re- review through those. And to, uh, objective number two is to understand and embrace the truth about the consequences of being out of season. We need to understand the consequences and you need to understand that you can't choose those consequences. And objective number three is to examine individual and spiritual, not, uh, to exam, examine individual spiritual and natural requirements that must be in place before marriage and actually all that what we've been talking about are are part of some spiritual and some natural uh, considerations before 
Uh, but we're going to get further into to that as well. So again, by way of review uh, of objective number one, it was to review the components of restoration. So we talked about taking responsibility for your actions. We went to Genesis chapter three, where we saw the example of Adam and how he tried to blame Eve uh, for his transgression. But we saw that God was not he he was not going for that because in verses uh, fourteen through nineteen, he addressed everyone. There were there were three three. People People or three different uh, components or different aspects of that transgression. It was it was Satan himself who deceived Eve. It was Eve who uh, presented and, and, and actually Adam uh, uh, Satan he presented to Eve as well and deceived her. And then Eve presented to Adam and then Adam did transgress. So we saw, but even in all of that, we saw that every each one of those each Satan. Eve and Adam, all three of them, they did not get away with anything. And although uh, it says that, that Adam transgressed and so did Eve, but Adam was uh, 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 laid out in particular because God had directly spoken, had directly given Adam the commandment. He directly gave Adam the commandment. And that's why the Bible says that Adam transgressed. So, so did Eve. But Adam transgressed because God spoke to him directly. Oh, you got to hear that. You got to hear that because now God is speaking to you directly. And God, when God speaks to you directly, it's one thing. It's one thing to you know to, to hear somebody say something, to hear and, and 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 understand. When I say that, understand that God speaks. He's not going to always speak to you uh, um, personally in in the sense that that where you when we don't always hear an audible voice but he will always speak through the man of God through the woman of God he will speak through the word he will speak and then you and then you will hear him and then you will hear him because sometimes we don't always we're not always able to hear on our own in that sense but when God presents something to us he will present it and then we hear from him when you when you have a uh, um Conviction of the word, conviction about what's going on. That is God. That is the spirit of the living God that is speaking to you then. And so then when you hear those things, when you hear those things, it is up to you what you do with it. It's up to us individually what we do with it. And yes, God wants to speak to you when you allow him to. He, and I'm, not, cause I'm not saying that he does not speak to you directly. He will speak to you directly when you are in position to hear him. A lot of times we're not in the position to hear him because we're trying to do our own thing and we're not even allowing him the time of day. We're not allowing him the time of day. We're not positioning ourselves to be able to hear from him. But then you come here or you live stream and then you begin to hear some things that God is. Look, I've been trying to tell you this all along. I've been trying to say this, but you haven't been in position to hear it. But now you are because you're just sitting in here or you're just streaming. So now you're in the position to be able to hear. But that's not just not just being in the position, not just being in a physical place, not just sitting and listening. That's not going to even position you. You also have to be open hearted. You have to be able to be willing to accept, to receive and accept. You have to be willing to comply. You have to be ready to receive God's word. Hearing his word and receiving his word, those are two very different things. You can hear audibly his word, but to receive it is to receive it and accept it in your heart. And then when you receive it and you accept it, you have to embrace it. And we're going to talk about that today too. How you receive and how you embrace the truth. Of the word of God. So we see that there is none, none. There is no one who is exempt. No one is exempt 
from having to deal with their transgressions, having to deal with what the consequences that come with it. So that brought, brought me to point number two under that, taking responsibility, is that you are accountable for yourself. Turn to First Peter. First Peter chapter 3. We're going to read uh, into First Peter chapter 4. But I want you to see something here because... Again, God is, God is just so, he's so faithful and he's so amazing. He is an amazing God. First chapter, first Peter chapter three. Let's look at verse 17. For it is better. First Peter three seventeen. For it is better. It is greater. If the will of God be so, if the will of God be done, if the will of God be obeyed, for it is better. If the will of God be so. That you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. It is better that you suffer for well-doing than for evil, for evil-doing. It says it is better to suffer for living and demonstrating righteousness. That's what they're saying. It's better to suffer for living and for demonstrating righteousness. Living sanctified. It's better to live sanctified and to be able to, to suffer in the flesh uh, because you're living sanctified than to suffer the consequences of compromising God's standard. It is better. So the, the, what, will you, what could you gain? Uh, what could you, you suffer? Let's read on and see what, what the Lord our God suffered, what Jesus Christ suffered. Uh, that you may suffer uh, at the end of verse 17. That you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Greater if you do. For Christ also hath once suffered for our sins. The just for the unjust. Why? Because of the will of God. How do we know? Uh, let's continue to read. That he might bring to us. To God, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh. That was the will of God, that we be brought back to him, that we brought, be brought back, with we brought, be uh, brought back nigh to him. That was, that is the will of God. So what did Christ suffer in verse 18? What did he suffer in the flesh? It's what Christ is saying, that we have to suffer. God, this, the scripture is saying that we have to suffer. It's okay to suffer in the flesh. And we will. We should. Listen, if you're not suffering in the flesh, then you are in sin. That's just the bottom line. If you are not suffering in the flesh, you are in sin and there is no doubt about it. Why? Because we all have to suffer in the flesh to do the will of God. You need to write that down. We all have to suffer in the flesh in order to do the will of God. Why? Because we are encompassed with this body, with this flesh, with carnal mind, with a carnal mind, that fleshly, uh, fleshly mentality and the flesh. That is the flesh, that's, that's the rebellion, that's all of those things that are anti-God, all of those things that are against God. We have that flesh, we have that carnal mind. And if you are not, if you are not suffering in your carnal mind, having to put those things away, then you are living in the, in, and you are living in sin. And again, that is just the bottom line. Because you can't do both. You can't do the will of God and live carnally and live in the flesh. And, and listen, because we are all, all of us, all of us are in that situation. All of us. Every last one of us, we live in the flesh. That means that we are subject to carnal and fleshly thoughts. We are subject to carnality. And God is trying to help us get rid of all of the carnality. And I know, I, 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 listen, I hear what you're saying. 
Don't think about carnality as just as is not as just in in, in um, things that we you know consider to be sinful. You know those those things that are just outright. We just know. We can just look at it and tell that it's sin. No, when you have a carnal thought, that's carnality. When you have a thought of of cursing somebody out or telling somebody off because they cut you off at, in, in traffic, that is carnality. That's the flesh speaking. It's carnal. It's fleshly. All of, all of those things. When you try to hold on to a friend that God has been trying to tell you is not good for you. Why? Because that is not a godly relationship. That's not a kingdom building relationship. That's not a relationship that you should be in. That's not a relationship that you should be involved in. When you try to hold on to that, that's carnality. Why? Because I like this person. We are, you know, we have fun together. That's all carnal. That's all wrapped around carnal. All wrapped around carnality. And again, there's nothing wrong with liking somebody. It's not, there's nothing wrong with having, uh, having relationships where you have fun. We're supposed to have fun. In the godly relationships, you should be having fun. So it's not, it's not even about that. It's a, again, it's about, it's something about this person. We've just grown close. Listen, we've just grown close. We've, we've been friends for years. But just because you've been friends for years doesn't necessarily mean that it's a kingdom relationship. It doesn't mean that at all. It does not mean that at all. Just because you've been involved with someone, romantically involved with someone, so just because you, you know, you've kind of hooked up with someone, you've been hanging out with someone, just because you've done that, doesn't necessarily mean, and it's been okay, the relationship, you know, seems to be going, going okay. That doesn't mean that it's a godly relationship. It doesn't mean that it's a kingdom building relationship. It just means that you found somebody that you get along with. But that's not, that is not the criteria for having a godly relationship. That is not the criteria for having a kingdom building relationship. So we have to be sure that we understand what that carnality is about. So uh, uh, reading into, so we, we read uh, verse 17 and 18. That he might bring. So uh, verse 18 again. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. Uh, the just for the unjust that he might bring to us God that he might bring us to God being put to death so here the means was the suffering the means of bringing us to God was his suffering that was the means that was how it was done and the will of God was that we be brought back to him that was the end so there's always a means to an end there's always a, a, a way to do. There's always a way to get to something. And if Christ suffered, if Christ suffered to bring us back to God, you, you will have to suffer to get back to him. That's the bottom line. If Christ suffered to bring us back, you're going to have to suffer to be able to stay with him. You're going to have to suffer some things in the flesh to, to be able to stay with him. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's look at that. So now we're talking about getting away. So we, we said that you, you have to uh, take responsibility. Now you have to get away and you have to come out. In 2 Corinthians, we're going to start uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're just going to start with verse um, 16. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And we're going to start with verse 16. 
16. And let me, let me, let me tell you this. It's talking about being joined together with an unbeliever. That's, that's what the scripture is, is, is talking about. Listen, you cannot repent. And we're talking about repentance here. You cannot repent and be restored while living in the same situation of being around the same person or people that you sin with. You can't do that. It's just, it's just not going to work. It's like I said, you haven't trying to have your cake and eat it too. Just, that's a carnal mind. That's having carnal. That's trying to, that's trying to combine, uh, being holy with being unholy. Being righteous with being unrighteous. That's trying to combine, uh, uh living out the word of God or, or trying to live by the word and compromising. You can't, you cannot do both. You can't do both. Why? That's just like, that's just like trying to wash off dirt in muddy water. That's trying to wash, trying to, trying to wash off dirt. You're already dirty. You're trying to wash that dirt off, but you're doing it in muddy water. You can't do both. It's not going to happen. You cannot be cleansed that way. It will not work. In other words, you will be out of position as one that has been filled. So look at the scripture. Look at the scripture. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Start reading at verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God? You, look, as believers, we are, to, we are the temple of God. God lives on the inside of us. If you have accepted Christ, he lives on the inside of you. That means you are the temple of God. That's where he lives. That's where he dwells. He dwells in you. So what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. If you are the temple of the living God, he dwells in you and he walks in you and he will be your God and you shall be his people. Verse 17, wherefore come out from among them. And be ye separate. Wherefore, what, what does the wherefore mean? Because I'm telling you that you are the temple of the living God. And if you are the temple of the living God, I live in you. I dwell in you. Therefore, you must come. He didn't say must, but this, listen, this I told you last week. Don't take God's word as, as a suggestion. You need to take it as what it is. And it is the truth. It is him commanding you. He says, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye what? Separate. He says to be separate. That means you got to be sanctified. That means you got to be holy. That means you got to be, you have to live for God. Listen, let me tell you something. You, okay, all right. This is, this is for those, we talked about getting rid of those, those, those ungodly uh, relationships. You don't, you listen, you don't have to worry about some people. And this is why, this is why people have a hard time with it. Part of the reason why they have a hard time with it is they don't want to tell their friend no. They don't want to tell their friend, well, this is it. This is the end of our road. They don't want to tell their friend. I know we've been friends for years, but guess what? God has spoken to me, and, and, and he, he, he said I needed to move on. He said that I needed to go another direction. See, we don't want to say that, but you don't have to say that. You don't have to say it. All you have to do is do what the Word of God says. It says, come 
out from among them. That means your thoughts. That means your what you say. That means your actions. That means your behavior. All you have to do is change it. Allow the word of God to change your behavior. It, the scripture says, the scripture tells us that we need to conform. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's allowing the word to change us. And if you allow the word to change you, then your behavior will change. You don't even have to worry about telling nobody nothing. Because when you begin to live differently, when you begin to live differently, they're going to either get, either get on board or they're going to walk away themselves. So you don't even have to worry about it. When you cut off that sex, I have allowed God to change my life. You don't have to say a word. You don't have to say, we're not sleeping together no more. You don't have to say any of that. Just what? Keep your legs closed. When he tries to touch you, she tries to touch you, you just need to sit there. And just, that's all you got to do is change your behavior. And they will walk away. Trust me, they will walk away. They will walk away. And I don't know what's wrong. She's crazy. She's crazy. She's not saying nothing. She's not doing nothing. All this, all of this that I'm doing, all of this I'm saying, she, and she's not budging. You don't have to say a word. I heard somebody say, one of, one of somebody that was teaching, look, just start, just start speaking in tongues. Just start speaking in tongues. You're probably going to need it at that point. Why? Because you've allowed him to touch you there before. You've allowed her to touch you there before. But all you got to do is start speaking in tongues. I'm not, look, and, and they don't, they, they may not, they or may not know what you're doing. But what are you doing? I'm trying to build myself up in the strength, in the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to build myself up because right now I need it. I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm praying in the spirit Listen, so that it will bypass my own thinking because right now I, you know, I need to bypass my own thinking because I could get myself in trouble. I need to bypass my own thinking at this point. I just need to pray in the Holy Ghost to build myself up. And I guarantee you, he or she will stop touching you. He or she will stop saying whatever it is that they're saying to you. All you got to do is change your behavior. But you got to allow the word of God to change you. You've got to allow, and the behavior will change if you allow the word of God to come in and cleanse. He got to come in and cleanse. And then when they stop, when they stop, when they stop paying attention to you, when they tell you, I'm going to take you home, then be okay with that. Be okay with that. Because that's God giving you a way out. That's God giving you the out. Okay, no, I'm going to take you home. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for taking me home. That's your way out. And then don't go back to it because after that, the probably not going to call you no more. Probably not going to say nothing else to you. And be okay with that. That's God giving you your way out. That's God giving you your way out. So you don't even have to say a word. All you have to do is change the behavior. You change the behavior and people will fall away. Those who are not down for it, they will fall away. All they have to know, all that you have to do is demonstrate that you are desiring to live holy. You are desiring to live righteous. All you have to do is demonstrate that. And everything else will fall in line. You have to demonstrate it. You got to demonstrate. Be a demonstration of the word that you hear. That's receiving it. That's embracing it. That is embracing it. Being the demonstration of the word that you hear. That is you embracing it. Applying it. As you embrace it, you are applying that word to your heart. You are applying that word to your actions and your behavior. That is how you get it done. That's how you get it done. Let's look at verse uh, uh, 18. And... Uh, and will be he will and, uh, and will be a father. So God, he will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons 
and daughters, said the Lord Almighty. Let's read verse uh, chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises. He says that you will be my son and my daughter. And what does that mean? If you disobey, if you, if you uh, uh, compromise the word, does that mean that you're not his child or his daughter? Listen, it's just like your parents. You don't ever stop being. Unless you just deny Christ altogether. It doesn't mean that you're not his son or his daughter. That just means that you will not be able to receive the benefits of being a father. I mean, be, of, of him being your father. You won't be able to receive the benefits of him, of being a son or a daughter. That's what that means. The, the, the relationship is there. But your fellowship has changed. Your fellowship is different. See, you won't, he won't be able to protect you. See, when you do things uh, 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 outside of what your parents tell you, they're not there. They can't be there to protect you. When you go out and, and, and you leave the house and, and, and they told you not to, see, you can't, you can't be, you will not get away from, you will not be uh, protected from whatever happens while you're out there doing whatever it is that you're doing when your parents told you to stay in the house. See, uh, not taking that godly counsel, not receiving, not doing, which is when you are outside of what you are being told to do, when you are outside of, of, of that relationship of, of, of how that relationship should function, then you are out of the protection and the will of God. And when you are out of the protection and the will of God, again, it doesn't, and you're a believer, or you, you claim to be a believer, you say that you're a Christian, you've accepted the Lord as your, as your Lord and Savior, you've accepted Him as Savior, then that doesn't mean that the relationship is not there, but your fellowship has definitely changed. And what, listen, at that point, the only thing that you can do, you can't rely on Him to be there when you need Him to be. You, you can't, you don't even have the confidence that He will. You can't rely on that. Now, he might, he might, because, because he is a gracious God and because he is a merciful God, you know, you might get a little mercy. You might. But you might not in that situation. We don't know. I don't know. I can't say. I'm not God. And you, uh, you're probably glad that I'm not God. He's God alone. But you cannot count on, you cannot rely on the fact that he's going to be there to get you out of a situation. You can't rely on that because he, he just might not get you out. Why? Because you have to learn a lesson. You have not, you have not learned how to put your carnality to, to, to the side. You have not learned how to do that. So things have to happen sometimes for us to snap into what we, to snap ourselves back into reality. To snap, you, you need to suffer some consequences. That might need to happen. That you need to suffer some consequences. And because right now you're just thinking you're getting by. You're just thinking you're getting by. But again, the consequences are built into the sin. So the only thing that you can, because God is a just God and the scripture says that, he's loving, but he's just as well. The only thing that you can, that you can expect, is his wrath. And his wrath, and what I say, what I mean by his wrath, I mean that, 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 that he's not, he is not pleased with that. He is not pleased. And he will allow, he will allow you to suffer some things. He will allow you. Because the consequences are already built into the sin. Let's look at verse, um, let's see. Um, so then we talked about repentance. Uh, Psalms 51. So we're talking about repentance. So uh, number one was that you need to uh, remember and, and take 
uh, take responsibility for your action. That was that was number one, and that you needed to be sure that you understand understand that concept. The second thing that we needed to understand was um, that we needed to get away and to come out, to get away and to come out, and then we need to repent. That's the third thing. We need to repent before God. Acknowledging your sin is disobedience is against God and Him alone. You have to acknowledge that your sin. I don't care if you did do it with somebody else. You have to acknowledge that your sin is with God. That you have sinned before Him. So Psalms chapter 51. Let's just turn there. We're not going to read this whole thing. But we want to look at Psalms chapter 51. And see what David had to say about that. In verse 1, he said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge, here it is, for I acknowledge, he's asking God to do this. He's asking God to be merciful. He's asking God to cleanse him. He's asking God to blot out his transgressions and to wash him and to cleanse him. Why? Because he's saying, I am first acknowledging, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against thee. And the only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightst be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. He's saying here, listen, I know I have done, I have done this. And we know it wasn't just with, with him. He wasn't just sinning by himself, right? He pulled somebody else in, and he did some other things. He did all of that. He, he, his, his sin was, was, was with Bathsheba. So he brought her into it. But it was not even about that. It wasn't about her. It wasn't about him, about her at all. It wasn't about anything, anything that anybody else did. He said, I acknowledge that I have sinned against you and against you alone. That is true repentance. He says, listen, you have to be willing. You have to hear. You have to hear the truth. You have to be inclining your ear. Inclining your ear to hear the word. What is inclining? That means I'm stretching forth. That means I'm putting forth effort. Inclining my ear to hear the word. I'm extending it. I'm offering my ear. I'm turning my ear to it. I'm turning my ear to the I'm bending my ear to the word of God. As I hear it, as God, as I, as I, I hear it, as the word is coming forth, as, as it comes through through scriptures, it comes through from the man or the woman of God. As I hear the scriptures, I hear it. I'm going to bend my ear toward it. I'm going to turn against it. That is part of true repentance. That's part of true repentance. I'm turning my ear to God. And I'm accepting it. Turning to it. What does that mean? I'm inclining myself. That means I am accepting it. I'm accepting it. I'm welcoming it. I'm welcoming the truth. I'm taking responsibility for the truth. Responsibility for what I hear. I'm accepting it. As I accept it, that means I'm taking responsibility for it. That means I'm engaging in it. I'm engaging in it. I'm devoting myself. Accepting the truth. I am welcoming it. I'm taking responsibility for it. I'm engaging in it. I'm devoting myself to it. I'm getting down with it. I'm launching into it. I'm launching into it. And for you older folks, I'm getting it cracking. I'm getting it cracking in the word. I'm getting it cracking in the truth. 
That's for you 70s babies. That's what that was for. That was for you 70s babies. So, so now you have been embracing. So you have to accept it and you have to embrace it. Embracing the truth. Embracing is a little bit different. It's a little bit different from accepting. Embracing means I'm clutching it. That's a tight. I'm embracing. When you embrace something, you clutch it. You hold on to it. When you embrace your, your wife, when you uh, embrace your, your, your children, when you embrace your friend, you're clutching on to it. You're, you're, cl- you're embracing. Don't, don't just look. Don't come. And I tell people all the time, when you hug me, when it's time to start hugging, don't hug me right now. But when it's time to start hugging again, I need to feel. I need, I need to know that you're there. Don't, you know, don't do no little pat. That, that's not embracing. I want, no, I want to know that you're there. I need you to, I need you to enclose me. I need you to hold me. I need to, we need to be intertwined like that. We need to intertwine. Because then I know that you are embracing. So embracing the truth, you have to clutch it. You have to enclose it. You have to hold it close. You got to hold it close. You have to intertwine yourself in it. You have to be taken in it. That is embracing. So you have to accept it and you have to embrace it. So accepting and embracing means that you make it, make that truth yours. You make it your reality. It becomes personal. It, it becomes so personal that it affects you. It belongs to you. You feel like the word belongs to me. That's, that's a word for me. That's, that's, that's mine. And not just saying it, but it's mine because I'm doing it. Because I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to do it. It's not an abstract word. Look, it's an abstraction. An abstraction is something that's considered independent of its association. Abstract. It's considered as independent from its association. You got to get that. Because we know that the truth of the word of God is associated with God himself. The truth, the word, is associated with God himself. It's associated with Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the word. The scripture tells us that in John. So, so when you, um, when you are treating it as an abstraction, when you're not considering that it is, is close to you, you, you're not considering that it's close to you, then you, it's, it becomes, the word then becomes independent of its association. It becomes independent of Christ. It becomes independent of God. And, an abstraction, you cannot, it's not firm. An abstraction is different. It's different from a foundation. It's different from a foundation. In that foundation, you know that it's built in there. It's concrete. It's concrete. But an abstraction, that means it's not. It's not concrete. It, the, it's not concrete. It, it's, not, it's not tied to anything real. Not tied to anything of value. But when you embrace the truth of the word of God, you associate it with who it is. You're associated, you're associated with who it is. You are associated with his faithfulness. You're associated with his love because God love. Not God is. God love. God peace. God joy. You have to associate it, associate the truth of the word of God with him, with his attributes, with who he is. That's how you embrace it because then you are convinced of his sureness. You are convinced of its reliability. You are convinced of its faithfulness. You are convinced of its stability. Look at this in Psalms 119. Psalms 119. I don't know about you, but you know, God is just, I don't know. I don't know. You, you, can't, even, you can't even put words. You can't even put words to what, to what God is. You can't, you can't even, and, and tune in on Wednesdays. We've been hearing about that. You, you can't put him in a box. You can't, you can't even put him in a box because he's more than whatever you think. 
with our, with our own natural words, all the words that we know. We, it, it, it can never, ever, ever describe the goodness of our Lord. Psalms 119, it says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They do no iniquity. They walk in the ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed if I just keep it. That's why I said, don't, we, we've gone through, you know, accountability. We've gone through all of that in about a repentance. But listen, this is the place where we're talking about those who have not gotten into this, this, uh, what we're talking about these transgressions and gotten into these situations. Those of you 13, 14, 15, listen, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They, are all, they also do know iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed. I shall not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with an upright heart. And I can't, I can't, because I, I, I didn't see, you notice I didn't give any verses, because all of Psalms 119, and I cannot read all of that, but all of Psalms 119, you need to embrace. It talks about embracing the truth of the word of God. It talks about embracing the word. And when you embrace the word, you need to apply the word. Look at Psalms uh, uh, 119. Look at verse 59 and 60. I do want to draw draw attention to verse 59 and 60. And the scripture reads, I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Look, this is for those who, and I mean all of this is again for those who have not found themselves in in, in the transgressions or in those ways and in ungodly uh, uh, compromising the word. And for those who have, all of this is. But verse 59, I like this. I thought on my ways. I thought on my way. This is talking about repentance. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. I made haste. I turned unto you. This is repentance. I turned unto you. I acknowledge, as David did, I acknowledge my sins. I acknowledge that my sins are ever before you. And I I have turned. I have turned my... Verse 59. I thought on my ways and I have turned my feet unto thy testimonies. And now I can make haste. Now I make it. This is what I was talking about. About hearing and accepting and applying that word. And you don't have to say anything to anybody. But you allow that word to, to change in your behavior and to change your conduct. And then they will see. I have made haste and I have delayed not to keep thy commandments. I have delayed not to keep thy commandments. So this is what I'm talking about. We have to embrace. You got to renew your mind. Renew your mind with truth. And then you got to stay accountable. You have to stay accountable. Look at verse 63. Verse 63. I am a companion. We're talking about those godly. We're talking about those those godly and those kingdom building relationships. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. I am a companion. It says come out from the unclean. But now you need to be, if you need to replace it. Listen, I told you, what did I tell you before? I said that if you give up, when you suffer in the flesh, God will make sure. He will make sure you are not going to miss anything. 
Because that relationship that he's trying to get you out of, that ungodliness he's trying to get you out of and get you away from, he wants to, he wants to give you companions for your lives in the kingdom to help build you up in the kingdom and not help you tear down. That's what he wants. That is the greater. What, I'm telling you, just let it go. Just let it go. Listen, I told you that I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You got to let it go. You got to let it go. Taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. You have to let it go because he's trying to give you something greater. He's trying to give you something greater. Well, you think you have something now. You think he, you head over heels for him. You think you're head over heels for her. You think that that's just your BFF. You think, you think that. But what God has for you, but what God has for you, what God has for you, you got to trust in him. You got to trust. You got to rely. Listen, it would be okay. And I would understand if it was coming from me. But it's coming from the Lord God Almighty where he says, he says that if you obey me, you just taste and see that I am good. And I am out of time. But God is not out of time. And I, I trust and I, I believe that he's going to continue. He's going to continue. He's going to continue to talk to you. He's going to continue to minister to you. That conviction is still going to be there. Don't turn it off. Don't try to brush it off. Because God is, he's saying, he's saying all I need for you to do is taste and see. Obey and taste and see that I am good. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.